Hello and welcome to the Disney Dads Podcast. Today we're going to introduce a new segment, Behind the Magic. It's going to be a segment that is going to be above and beyond your normal park experience. And today we're going to go ahead and go over to Disneyland and walk in Walt's Disneyland footsteps. Recently, Justin just came back from Disneyland and Alani, and Justin was able to take a guided tour in Walt's footsteps, and I'm very excited to hear about it. Justin, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, buddy. It's so good to be back, man. I feel like, uh, you know what, it's kind of weird powering up the mic, powering up the computer, and uh, getting back with you, and back with the Disney Ads family. I'm excited to be here and man do we have an amazing trip and you you know when we're talking about behind the magic and what we're trying to accomplish with this show it is uh doing this it's taking people on a journey to where maybe they haven't been before you know maybe you've been to the parks maybe you've been to uh all these experiences with with the attractions with the uh dining but with these tours you get a view of behind the scenes Uh, of the magic and that's what this is behind the magic and i was very very fortunate to have uh, signed up and have taken the walk and waltz disneyland footsteps tour and man i tell you what one of the best experiences i've ever had on disney property the the pictures themselves justin before we start on the tour itself i think i probably hit you with more text messages after seeing your pictures that you posted of uh the little places that you've gone that walt was at and i asked you more intimate questions and personal questions and I, I really was um really trying to pick your brain and and feel what you felt and I had a really fun time doing it so I'm ready to get this started yeah definitely you know anyone that knows me and has listened to shows past shows whether it be walking with Walt Disney 8 um Disney dads all the, all the shows we've done knows my passion for Walt Disney and Walt Disney history and so when I saw that they were offering this tour and that we were going to be in Disneyland and the tour would be available, it was a no-brainer. I thought, I definitely want to do this. And luckily, my wife is super awesome, and she said, you know what, I'll take, I'll take Riley, and we'll go to the pool, and why don't you just take this as a moment for you to really enjoy this time. And the, the tour itself is labeled as a three-hour tour, uh, not with Gilligan, not, not on a deserted island, but a three-hour tour through Disneyland, and it's an absolute gem of a tour i've done a bunch of different tours uh through disney properties whether it be the magic kingdom epcot uh the animal kingdom you know you and i both have done uh, a tour there at animal kingdom but this one this one takes the cake i i can't recommend this enough and of course tonight we're going to go through all the different things that i was able to experience with this tour all right justin before you even uh uh, like look there's that moment where you're like i want to do this tour okay it's not like you just showed up at Disneyland with your credit card in your hand and said, hey, sign me up. So what was the process that you had to do? Or maybe you did. But what is the process that you had to do to uh, to get yourself on this tour? And is it limited numbers? Um, you know, Are there only a certain amount of people that can go on it? And how much was it? So let's start with that. Yeah, so Disneyland is different than Disney World. For those people who have been to Disney World, not been to Disneyland, you know how structured Disney World is. You know that you're online 180 days for your ADRs. You know you're online 60 days for your Fast Passes. Disneyland's not like that. And so what I did was I made sure to get online and see exactly, man, what's the earliest I can book this tour because I want to make sure to get it. And that is going to be 30 days prior to your visit. 
So 30 days prior to you being in the park, you can book this tour. And uh, let me let me go ahead and give you this phone number. We don't like to do a ton of just, I, I want this to be an experience for you, but I do want to give you some information too. If you'll call 714-781-TOUR, that's 714-781-8687. So you can book this tour. And I will say this, whenever you book the tour, you do have to make full payment in advance. And with that, uh, you know, Jason, it was a little less than $100 for this tour, which was very, very reasonable. And they do offer a DVC discount, so I was able to take advantage of that too. Uh, And for me, yes, it is limited. You have to make sure that you are booked because they, they do have limited availability. The majority of the time, they have two tours a day. Uh, most of the time they are at 9:30 in the morning and at noon. I know at times I was talking to our tour tour guide and she said that they do at a third one at really peak times. Uh, but 9:30 a.m. and then noon are the two tour times you get. Okay. All right. So you you walk me through the process of you you got. I know you got up early, a lot earlier than you used to getting up when you're on vacation, and mm-hmm. you're you're right at the parks at eight o'clock. I think you said, didn't you? I did, yeah, I did, I did, uh, I, I did rope drop, and it was really cool, man. But it was easier for me because coming back from Alani, yep, we were still in Alani time, <laughs> right? Luckily, yep. so it wasn't that big a deal. I was, I was getting up every morning at like five a.m. out in Alani, uh, just because we were still in East Coast time, and then we transitioned, and it just wasn't that big a deal. But yeah, I got up, I went over. The cool part about Disneyland is you can walk everywhere. We stayed at the Disneyland hotel, okay. So you can walk everywhere. So it was a quick five-minute walk over, grabbed a cup of coffee on the way. You know, you go in the parks. And whenever you enter Disneyland, you're doing this tour, you're going to go straight to the left side as you enter the park. And uh, and you will go right as you go through the tunnel. Same as same as the Magic Kingdom. You know, they have the two tunnels, one on the left, one on the right. They have all the attraction posters as you're entering the movie, as you're entering the, the experience that you're about to have for that day. You know, you're part of a movie. That's the whole thing. And uh, whenever you enter that, you will go straight to the left and you'll check in at the Disneyland Tour Gardens kiosk. And it's right there. It's right left of City Hall, right in Town Square. And so I checked in. I was actually the first person to check in for the tour. And uh, so I checked in and then I went. I had about 45 minutes and I went and I did what any uh, lover of Walt and lover of Disneyland does. I went and explored Town Square and I went and looked all around. Have some amazing things there, little things you can find. I went to the firehouse and and hung out for a little bit. Walked over to some of the shops and just looked around. Looked at some of the windows on Main Street that uh, that I've always read about and love. And uh, and then I came back and I was ready to uh, to start my tour. Now, is that the first time you've ever had the opportunity to walk around Disneyland without kid or wife in tow? And, and yes, it is. Yeah, it is. Okay. And 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 I took and I took full advantage of it. And and look, Katie. Katie understands that. Like when when we do Disneyland, we do it different than Disney World. Disney World, we kind of sleep in, go to the pool, you know. Then we'll go to our ADR, we'll do our three fast passes, and that's it. With with Disneyland, we are sun up to sundown. We close the, we open the park, we close the park, we go all day because we don't get out there that often. Mm-hmm. And so this is the first time I've really had that opportunity to just kind of look. If you're a parent, there's something special about when you love something being completely enveloped in it and you don't have to worry about, I know this sounds this this might sound bad but you don't have to worry about anyone else's needs you're able to just take it in you know and just walking down main street and taking in the smells and the sounds and the sights and just you know there's not that many people there it's a locals park so early in the morning there's not that many people there and you're kind of alone on on main street that early in the morning which is really a cool cool experience 
Yeah, it sure is. Now, when you when you're getting ready to start the tour, did they give you a lanyard with a um, a placard on it? What, what what is the gear that you get that separates you from the rest of the guests? Sure. Yeah. So whenever you check in for the tour, you get a a button, a special button that said "Walk in Walt's Footsteps Tour," and it has your name on it. And so you'll place that on. That's how they'll know you're there. And then. As the time gets closer for the tour to take off, ours was at 9.30, you head back towards the kiosk, and uh, they provide you with a earbud and the receiver to where you're going to be able to hear your tour guide, no matter if, if you're in the back of the group, the front of the group, wherever you're at, you're going to hear that tour guide. And we'll, and we'll talk about more about this because it plays so much more than just hearing your tour guide as the tour progresses. Um, but you also, the cool thing they do is they make it kind of what we try to do here with the Disney Dads podcast is they make it a family atmosphere where they encourage everyone to meet each other. So they encourage everyone to get together, talk, where are you from? What brought you to the tour? You know, uh, what's your Disney history? You know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, a really, really nice experience because you are going to spend three hours, over three hours with these people in confined spaces sometimes. And it's just, it's a really, really neat experience. And I have to do, I have to do one thing before I forget. And I have to give a massive shout out to the first person I meet. And that is my tour guide, Emma. Emma was one of the best cast members I've ever met. She was an amazing, amazing person that I got to spend over three hours with picking her brain and uh, sharing Disney stories. And we you know we share personal Disney stories because a lot of time you're walking, you're not in the middle of a story at the time. So we got to, we have to go back and forth about, you know, uh, differences in Disneyland and Disney World, like other parks we've been to, Alani. We talked about all kinds of stuff. So I got to give a huge shout out to Emma. Um, so you meet your cast, your your tour guide, which was Emma in my case. You get your earpiece and you meet all of your fellow tour uh, guests, uh, you know, tour members that are there with you. And then you get ready to take off into the park. So everybody gets together. Now, how many people did you have in your group? Is it 15? I'd say we, no, I, th- I think we had 21. Okay. I think we had 21. So it's not like incredible, but it's it's still not a small group. It's it's a manageable little tour group. It, it was it was it was the perfect number. If it had been more, I would have kind of felt like people were getting lost okay. in the shuffle. But everyone was very nice. We all talked the entire time. Everyone came from different Disney backgrounds. Some people we had one girl, it was her first time to Disneyland, first time to any Disney park, and she had never ridden an attraction. Okay. Then you had people like me who do a Disney podcast, who have been annual pass holders for a long time, go to Disneyland, go to parks, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was really cool to share that experience with people that knew very little about Walt and that knew a lot about Walt. Fantastic, I love it. Once you start your tour, and now is it now? Help me understand this. Now you guys all congregate right there in Main Street. Is it by the flag? Where where does this tour start? So, yeah, so we start the tour at the fire station. Okay. They tell the story of the fire pole that was in, that was in the, uh, the firehouse, and I want to tell this story now, and it's an amazing one. And when Walt was living there and building Disneyland, uh, the main problem he had was this. He wanted to be there all the time during the construction, but he lived about 40 minutes away. And with the traffic, he was not able to be there as often as he wanted. It took a long time to get there and to get home. Of course, you know, Walt was a devoted father and husband. He liked to be home for dinner every night. Uh, and so Walt had an apartment built for him. Well, with the apartment, of course, Walt was a kid. Walt was someone who loved to have fun. And he said, look, we're going to do it above the fire station. And with that, I want a fire pole to where I can swing down into the park every single day. And so that's what they did. 
and the fire pole lasted for uh, for a while until one day when Walt's sitting in an apartment and a teenager comes up the fire pole and into Walt's apartment as Walt's sitting there <laughs> and they stare each other in the face and I don't know who scared each other who 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 scared the other one more Walt or the teenager but Lillian said no more the fire pole has to go and so the fire pole was covered over but you can still see the fire pole it's there if you go into the fire station there at Disneyland so that's where we started our tour and we started our our tour with that fantastic story of Walt and uh and really a boyhood dream uh of having a fire pole and uh, and living out those childhood fantasies that I think as guys we all have to you know have those little toys that we all like and uh, we started a tour right there and then from there we went over to the flagpole and we took in the dedication speech and this is where I was talking about you know the the earpiece they give you and the receiver they give you it's not just to hear your tour guide because Emma took us over and she told us these fantastic stories herself. And that's the one thing I loved about this was that Emma referred to herself as a, as a storyteller. She wasn't just a cast member. She was a storyteller. She was there to tell the story of Walt and of Disneyland. But not only did she tell the story, Walt himself told the story because as we stood at the flagpole, we were able to hear Walt's own words with the dedication of Disneyland. All who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age relives fond memories of the past. And here youth may savor the challenge and promise of the future. Disneyland is dedicated to the ideals, the dreams, and the hard facts that have created America. With the hope that it will be a source of joy and inspiration to all the world. Thank you. Justin. My question for you back to the firehouse is the originality of the fire pole. Is that the original fire pole that's still in there? Well, the one thing you learn about this tour is they took, even whenever they would change things after Walt's death, they took really close care to make sure to keep as much as they possibly could. So whenever they took the fire pole out, of course, Walt wanted the fire pole still inside the fire station. And so they just literally chopped it off boom and just made it right there it used to go all the way to the ceiling in the uh in the apartment and now they just chopped it right there so yeah that's the original fire so if you're walking into the fire station at disneyland walt disney and his grandsons he told great a great story is uh you know walt was not only a doting husband a doting father he was a doting grandfather and he loved sitting in his chair and looking out the window and uh and his grandsons would literally slide down the fire pole run up the stairs slide down the fire pole <laughs> that's all they would do for hours sure Sure. Great free entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> free entertainment at Disneyland parks. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's it. I well, and it's, it's grand, you know, and, and the one thing his grandson said in an interview later, of course, after Walt's passing was, he, and, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, this isn't a direct quote, but he said something to the effect of, it was like waking up in a dream every day. We'd wake up, we'd look out the window and realized we're in Disneyland. We'd slide down the fire pole and we would enter Main Street before any guest was there. I love it. I mean, can you imagine? No. Can you imagine? He, you'd wake up. You'd wake up right there in your grandpa's apartment, and you woke up in Disneyland. Yep. That's amazing. I love it. So after you, um, you, you're sitting there. You get now. Is this? You get a chance to look inside the firehouse then, or do we end up? We end up there. No, we 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 went in the firehouse and then we go to the flagpole and of course heard the dedication yep. and then we take. 
a a trip down Main Street. Okay. And uh, the one window they make sure to point out is a window dedicated to Elias Disney, Walt Disney's uh, uh, father. And it is the uh, only bay window on Main Street. So you, you can't miss it. It's right there. And, of course, we know it, if you haven't listened to uh, Walking with Walt or you haven't listened to Disney 8, those windows, they, they not only are decoration, but they play a important service to uh, dedicating to the memory of people who really had an impact on not only Walt Disney himself, but also on Disneyland and, of course, Disney World in the future, things like that. And so all those names, we get to go through and we get to kind of hear stories about these people. And uh, we head straight down Main Street and we head straight to the partner statue. So you're at the partner statue. And from there, Emma is taking you in. Are you continually heading towards the castle then? Is that how the tour is progressively just moving away from Main Street? So no, actually we uh, we take a left hand turn okay. and we head into Adventureland, and uh, you get some really fun facts about Adventureland. That you know some of the stuff I knew uh, in advance. You know the fact of Walt loved weenies, and for those people that don't know what weenies are, there were things that uh, would draw your eye and would make you want to go to somewhere. So let's take the most people who are listening go to the Magic Kingdom in Orlando. So let's take for example Space Mountain. Let's take for example. Um, uh, you know the castle, which draws you down Main Street. You know all the, all these all these things are put there uh, so that it will draw you away. That's the whole idea of the hub and spokes design that Walt integrated into his parks. And, you know, so one thing you learn on this tour is you learn that listen, you think of Walt as an innovator and a genius, but he wasn't afraid to use other people's ideas. Uh, the hub and spokes design was not really his idea. He used it from another park that he had seen and he thought, wow, this is genius because he never wanted someone to have to walk backwards to go, to go to something different. He didn't want someone to walk into Adventureland and have to walk back through Adventureland to go to Tomorrowland. He wanted you to be able to progress through a story. And that's of course what you get with Disney world and the magic kingdom. And so we took a left, we head into Adventureland. And uh, if you've been to Disneyland, we're walking through and we end up in the beautiful new Orleans square, which is an amazing, amazing place that uh, really takes you to the bayou. And you're right there. You're in new Orleans. And what people don't realize about Walt Disney is he was a lover of jazz. He loved everything about jazz. And this what's bring, this is what brings Club 33 into existence. With Club 33, Walt wanted somewhere that he could entertain guests, uh, dignitaries, uh, special VIPs, to where they would be out of the sight of the public. So he says, build me a place. And so he gets Club 33. Uh, but he also wanted a few other things that most people probably don't know about unless you take this tour, and that's this. He also wanted a lounge. He wanted a jazz lounge. And with the jazz lounge, he wanted to be able to have jazz musicians come, and he could entertain people and have them play jazz music. With Club 33 and then the jazz lounge, the jazz lounge isn't built before Walt passes, but it is later added on. So they're in Club 33 at Walt Disney at, at Disneyland. Uh, if you go up there, they've got the jazz lounge there too, so they can they can bring musicians in, and they can actually have a lounge to where people can go to and listen to jazz music. That's fantastic. Did you get an opportunity to look in there? No, so we did not. We one of the things that the that I had heard the tour did was take you into the the opening of Club 33, mm-hmm. the the first first level, we did not go to go in there. Once we were there, of course, we heard some fantastic stories about the two attractions at uh, New Orleans Square. There's only two. Uh, two well, I want to say only two, but the two, the two biggest ones, the two that everyone knows, and that's the Pirates of the Caribbean, and that is also 
the Haunted Mansion. And we got to hear some fantastic stories. And we got to hear Walt's own words describe these two attractions and what they're going to be. Because what this tour was, was not only Emma taking us on a journey, it was Walt taking us on this journey. And there were so many instances throughout the tour that Walt said, you know, Walt's voice would kick in your ear. And he, you would hear him talking about his vision for the Pirates of the Caribbean. This is what we call New Orleans Square. And here's a picture of it from the riverfront as it will look when it's finally finished. And all these little streets are going to be very intriguing, little shops and things, and people can wander around in there. And then in here, we have a special attraction. We call it the uh, Blue Bayou Lagoon. And people are going to get on a boat here and ride through the lagoon. And then as they get around here, we're going to take them down a waterfall and take them back into the past, into the days of the... The pirates, you know, where they, the whole Caribbean area was full of pirates and they were always sacking towns and things. And you believe in pirates, of course. Oh, yes. Oh, you want to see some? Love to. Right over here. We'll meet them. Blaine wants you to meet Julie Green. Hello, Blaine. Julie is uh, Miss uh, Disneyland Tencennial. And I want you to tell her all about what you're doing here. We're working on a full-scale pirate, Julie. And uh, I'd like you to have a look at him here. Quite an angry-looking fellow. Well, he has to be a tough guy. The pirates were pretty tough. Well, this will animate when we have it in the show, you know. He'll talk, and, and we'll have all kinds of uh, body movements and things. They carry on a regular little uh, story, you know. Then he'll be audio-animatronic. Audio-animatronic, that's right. Oh, you know, she's sharp. She sure is. Yeah, but before uh, Blaine does the full scale, he works on the, uh, on the, um, the miniatures. And then we got him right over here. Take a look at some of them. I take uh, this little miniature here is taken first from a sketch. We make these sketches to figure out the types and the characters, and then Blaine takes them and puts them in dimension. Okay. Give me a handsome one. Quite real. Now, these sketches here have to do with some of the things that are going to happen when you take this cruise with, through the pirate's uh, uh, domain. Here's one here. Here's a pirate laden with loot. He's trying to escape. He's got one foot on the dock and one foot on a rocky boat. You know, as the people go by, they see him. He's struggling and everything. Good luck to him. Well, he can't make it. Or the show would go to pieces, you see. He has to stay there all the time and keep trying to get away. Now we'll go around and see the town that the pirates are sacking. It's right over here. Claude, meet Julie Reams. She's Miss Disneyland Tencenio. And Claude is the Imagineer in charge of the pirate project. So will you explain what all this is about? Well, we've been restaging this uh, walking the plank scene, Walt. And with the shark circling below, we've got this fellow in a real precarious situation. I feel quite sorry for your victim there. Yes, he's in a bad way. Thanks. I'm going to take Julie through the town. Okay, Walt. Now, over here, Julie, is the town. This is a Caribbean town at the period. And here are the pirates in here ransacking and... and uh, Carrying away loot and everything. As you get down here and look through that little ring, you'll get the view that the audience gets. Now here, you see the pirates are dunking the mayor into the well, trying to force him to reveal the hiding places of the town treasure. The audience will be seeing this from a boat, you know. All the characters will be life-size and lifelike in their movements. These fellows have found the town's rum supplies but they're actually more interested in what's taking place across the river. 
Here their shipmates are auctioning off the town beauties. And there's the biggest bargain of all. That is absolutely fantastic. Well, that's only part of it. We got a big climatic scene. But how could you top it? Well, we set the place on fire. And we have our audience trapped down in this flaming city. Now how can they get out then? Well, now you got into this mess by going down a waterfall. Now, how would you suppose we get them out of there? By going up the waterfall. That's right. Anything's possible in Disneyland. Or his vision for the haunted mansion. It was just. It was such a such a great. Just really hits at your soul if you're a Walt fan. Uh, hearing him talk about it as you're standing in this spot. And uh, it just really, really got me as we were standing there. And you can see both attractions. They're right there. You look to your left and Haunted Mansion. You look to your right and Pirates is right there. And just to know what those two attractions meant to him uh, was really something. Once you were done with New Orleans Square, now you're not riding any attractions on this walking tour, correct? That's incorrect. Oh, yeah, okay. we actually, and that's, it's funny you bring, it's funny you bring that up now because that's the next thing we do is ride an attraction and we hop on. Probably the most iconic, and when I say this, people are going to go, what? Are you kidding me? It's not. The, but it is because it was Walt's favorite thing ever. And then we hop on the Walt Disney, uh, we hop on the Disneyland Railroad, and we take a journey from New Orleans Square all the way around to Tomorrowland, uh, where we exit and we find ourselves from the past, from New Orleans Square, and now we find ourselves in the future. Let me ask you then, do they... Um, have the train waiting for you, um, or is it just you just got to catch it when it stops? Nope they 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 plan it perfectly. Uh, Emma's constantly on her her mobile device or whatever the the park gives her. She knows exactly when the train is coming, and they take us in through through the exit. Um, they take us straight up, and they have a uh, room a uh, place reserved okay. for us on the train. Beautiful. Okay, very cool. Right there. Yep. So you exit Tomorrowland. Um, like I'm not really familiar with. It's been so long since I've been to Disneyland. Okay, so yeah, Tomorrowland, yeah. I would imagine, yeah. is. Um, uh, go ahead and give me. You know, explain what Tomorrowland looks like to me when you're getting off the train and how that pertains to the tour here. Yeah, so we get off and the Autopia is right to the right. The Autopia is one of the original attractions that was there when Walt was there too in Tomorrowland, and so it's it really plays a huge part. You hear a great story about one of uh, Walt's Imagineers, and he he goes. And Walt says, take those kids on, on a ride. Take those kids on a ride. And so he, he jumps in the car and he takes them on a ride and he's, he's driving them and they're having fun. They're having fun. And all of a sudden they ram the car in front of them because it's not like it is now to where everybody's on a track. They ram the car in front of them and the car in front of them spins out and it goes off into the bushes. And the, the guy in, in the car shaking his fist. Ah, ah. And who was it? It was none other than Sammy Davis, part of the Rat Pack, that they had rammed off the road and had gone into the bushes on opening day of Disneyland uh, right there. And so one of those great stories from opening day. And, of course, whenever you talk about opening day at Disneyland, I want to get into this story real fast. Everyone gives these numbers, but the numbers were so far inflated because one of the things you'll learn on this tour is there were farms all around Disneyland. No one knew this, uh, but there were farms all around Disneyland, and the farmers were charging entrance into Disneyland. They were making money 
on entrance into Disneyland and the way they were doing this was this. They were putting up ladders over the over the walls of Disneyland and they were charging people to use their ladders to come into Disneyland on opening day. So when people give those numbers, they actually think it was five to 8,000 more people than the actual numbers you see that, uh, that were there for opening day, which of course will be later uh, labeled as Black Sunday because of all the bad things that would happen. Of course, Walt would not find out until the next day uh, in the papers of all the, all of the terrible things that happened. But yeah, you're, you're right there, and you're seeing where Sammy Davis was knocked off the track and sent into the bushes over there. A couple things I'd like to comment on is, boy, that was rich for those farmers to do that. <laughs> how, how unclassy can you be, really? Um, and, and number two is, you made a great point about Sammy Davis. There is a lot of Hollywood royalty that has passed through that park. So it's not just you're walking in Walt's footsteps, you know. You're walking in, like you said, the Rat Pack. You're walking in, um, I think, did Marilyn Monroe? Dignitaries. I think Marilyn oh. Monroe's been there too, wasn't she? Yeah, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you got Marilyn Monroe, you have dignitaries, you have presidents. Um, mm-hmm. This is a place that is unbelievable with history. There's so many great stories that come out of there. And, you know, you learn so many of these great stories on the Walk and Waltz Footsteps Tour that you take here at Disneyland. And I, like I said, I can't recommend it enough. And, uh, you know, you hear these stories, like I said, not only about the Rat Pack, but you hear about queens. You hear about kings that have come. You hear about dignitaries from other countries, presidents, um, you know, all these things that have happened over time that Walt had his hand in. And uh, But I will tell you this. We're sitting there. We're sitting in Tomorrowland. We, we hear some stories, and then we leave Tomorrowland, and we head into Walt's favorite part of the park, Fantasyland. And this was really what started all of this. It started, started Disneyland, was Walt wanted a place to where not only the kids could play, but the parents could have fun and interact with kids, and it could be a family atmosphere. And you head into Disneyland... And where you were saying earlier, do you ride attractions? Yes, you do. We're taken straight through the exit, and we're taken straight on to Alice in Wonderland. And what a cool attraction, cool experience. I actually, I've been to Disneyland a few times, never had rode this attraction. And uh, a very, very cool attraction. You're taken down the rabbit hole and uh, and get to experience this with all the people you're on the tour with. Really, really fun. Can I ask you, you know, of all the times you've been to Disneyland, why have you not ridden this attraction before? Was it just not appealing you know, it, to you or what? No, no, it's not that. It's They don't fast pass it. Oh, okay. And so for us, man, whenever we're at Disneyland, like I said, we do it complete opposite of Disney World. We are sun up to sundown. And it's somehow, man, it's just been one of those just snuck by because it's one of those that ha- always has like a 30-minute wait. Okay. And so whenever you look at it, you go, oh, I could go do um, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride for 10 minutes. Yep. Or I could go do the carousel, which, of course, is just, you know, I mean, that's that's Disney history in itself when you sit on the carousel. And uh, I could do, do that for 10 minutes. Or I could go do the, you know, if for some reason it's just slipped by the teacups for 10 minutes or 15 minutes. You know, mm-hmm. you, you kind of prioritize the attractions that aren't fast. Pa- I'm going to make up a word. I'm going to make up a word. Fast passable. Okay. We're going to go with it. Um, but we, I don't know. We just missed it. But. Whenever Emma said, "Hey, we're gonna go right, we're gonna go down the rabbit hole, and we're gonna do this," and like I said, Emma was a storyteller. She the entire time she was telling these stories, and she she told me in private. She said, "You know, I had to train, went through tons of training for this. Like it's almost like doing a play. 
you know, like you have to know your lines, you have to know how to tell the story to the to the quality that Disney wants you to tell because you're telling Walt Disney's story of Disneyland. And so, and she, man, did she do a fantastic job. I mean, just, there were sometimes that I just, I, you know, kind of got a little misty eyed because you, you realize where you're standing, you realize what you're doing. And she did such a great job. And, uh, and yeah, we got off that attraction and we got to take a fantastic walk through Fantasyland there right at the carousel. Did you get a chance to ride the carousel then? Was that part of the tour? We, we did not. Okay. No, no, we didn't get to ride the carousel. What we did was we left Fantasyland after hearing a few stories. Of course, I don't want to go over everything because yep. I want I want you guys to experience it yourselves. I think, look, as much as Jason and I try to be storytellers and we try to bring you this information, I, we can't serve this tour justice for what it actually is. And, and whenever you go uh, to Disneyland, make sure to do this. Make sure to book it because it is worth every single penny. Um, but we walked straight from there and we walked straight back, uh, to see the one thing that had more influence over Walt and Disneyland than anything. And that's, it's a small world. Okay. Now the thing with it's small world, of course, whenever everybody's thinking about, uh, Disneyland, you know, there were multiple things about Disneyland that were planned that had to be put to the back burner. And one of those things was, the Haunted Mansion. With the Haunted Mansion, you know, Walt had all these ideas and it was put to the back burner for a great reason. And that was something that Roy always called the best opportunity. And the best opportunity came about with the 1964-1965 World's Fair when Walt was approached to not only do one attraction, but to do a few. One of those was, of course, It's a Small World. And so we got to sit there, we got to hear the fantastic stories of It's a Small World, but we also got to hear the story of something that would change Disney parks forever and change Walt Disney's life forever. And that was the great moments with Mr. Lincoln. I mean, something that absolutely changed Disney forever. So we leave there and we head straight up Main Street. This is now this is the longest walk you have. Now let me say this. With it being a three hour walking tour, you do get a break in the middle. It's only about five minutes. It's not very long. So if it's a hot day, prepare. They did provide water, but it was only at the beginning. Um, they, you know, it's 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 not like you're getting a ton of shaded areas. They try to find shade as you're going along, uh, but you know there was people that were having a few issues with the walking things like that. So if you have problems with long distances, I think I walked about two and a half miles during this tour. Yeah, but that was really hot there, though. That's the thing. So this was the hottest day, uh, recorded day for that date that they had ever had, uh, 114 degrees. And so that's and, not a you know, heat I, index of 114. No, no, no. That was the actual. That was the actual temperature was 114. And that's why I'm glad I did the morning tour because uh, it didn't really get bad till the last hour. But this was when that was, and we walked straight all the way. If you've been to Disneyland, you know where it's at. Uh, you couldn't get pretty much further away from the front of the park than all the way back. It's Small World. Uh, you can go back to Toontown and get a little further, but we go from It's Small World all the way back through Fantasyland, down through the castle, down Main Street, and we end up and we are taken straight into great moments of Mr. Lincoln, and we get to sit and right in the front row. They have the front row um, uh, already ready for us. So right in the front row, and we get to, to get to see great moments of Mr. Lincoln, the original animatronic there that uh, that has always graced Disneyland. And um, then we come out, and this is really what got me was you come out and you, you you're in the exit 
And of course, if you look to your right, you can see the park bench, the original park bench that Walt set on my Ada's Peanuts and watched his daughters on the carousel and thought of the idea for Disneyland. And as you're doing that, Emma is telling you the story of Walt's death and the story of Epcot. And uh, as we got off the elevator on the floor and I saw Ron go striding into dad's room and then come out with his arms up like that as though someone pushed him back. And uh, when we went into the room, uh, I don't really, I mean, Dad, you know, his hands were on his chest and, uh, and he was gone. And Uncle Roy was standing at the foot of his bed and uh, he was massaging one of Dad's feet, just kind of caressing it. And he was talking to him, you know. And I don't know, it sounded like something like, well, kid, this is the end, I guess, you know, and that sort of thing. And uh, and I saw his love as I've never seen it before. It just really got me, man. I don't know. Like, it really hit home for me. And I had to kind of compose myself. And so we, we heard that. It's the first time the group had really gone silent the entire time. Because everyone was just taken in that moment of, of what... What Walt meant to not only Disneyland, but meant to everyone, you know, meant to that culture and meant to society and what he brought to the world. He brought happiness to so many people. Um, so, yeah, so we sat there and, and we took that in. And then we made our journey across uh, Town Square back over to the firehouse. And uh, we were split into two groups. I was in the first group. Now, with this, let me tell you, you with the tour, Lunch is included, and it's a fantastic lunch. I had I had like a um, a salad, uh, but they had like wraps, they had sandwiches, they had all kinds of stuff, and so my lunch was all set up for me there, and uh, and I had lunch, and then after that, I got to experience the greatest Disney experience I've ever had in my entire life, and that's heading to Walt Disney's apartment. Okay, I'm gonna stop you right there. I want to take a small break. And when we get back from the break, I want to hear all about Walt's apartment. Are you ready to experience the magic? There's no better time than right now. Here at Away With Me Travel, all of our agents are Disney College of Knowledge graduates. We have dined at all of the Disney restaurants, and we have stayed at all of the Disney resorts. So definitely come and make sure to contact us. You can find Jamie and I both at Disney Dads at Away With Me Travel. Send us an email. We'd love to help you make your dreams come true. You can also find all of our services at www.awaywithmetravel.com. And remember, we're here to help you make your travel dreams come true, and your journey begins with us here at Away With Me Travel. So you finish your lunch, and you're heading over to Walt Disney's apartment. I can't even imagine how surreal this moment is. So why don't you walk me through that? And and more importantly, while you're describing what you're seeing, because I'm looking at pictures of Walt's apartment right now, Tell me what you're feeling because a lot of people out there maybe aren't going to get out to Disneyland anytime soon and they're they're just like we are where you know they love the history of it and they're they they love Disney and it all started from this guy you know and and there you are um tell walk me through it tell tell me everything that you can about that Let me start with this like for those of you who know me that this is probably the most surreal Disney moment I've had and I, so I'm, I'm eating my lunch and it, it was the longest 30 minute lunch I've ever eaten. You know, I got my salad and I'm talking to a few other people because they split us into two groups and I was in the first group, 
which ate lunch first, and the other group got to go up into the apartment. Because the apartment is only 500 square feet. So it's not, it's not big. It's not big enough for 21 people to go up there. So they, they split us up. And uh, I was in the first group that ate lunch first. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm just sitting here. I've had this amazing tour. Now I'm going to sit here and eat the salad waiting to go up here. And the tour guides come back down. And the one thing, the one difference is Emma doesn't take you up. There are two cast members who are in charge of, it's almost like a museum. They're in charge of this 500 square foot museum. They maintain it. They make sure everything stays the way it is. And so they come down, they introduce themselves. We, we, you know, I introduce myself and uh, they lead us over to this door, right? It's to the right of the fire station and you go backstage and there's a, there's a staircase directly upstairs. So you go up the staircase, you enter a door right there and uh, there's a small hallway, very, very small with a coat hook and a small table. And they said, please put down any drinks you have, any food you have, please hang up any bags you have. Of course, cause they don't want any bags swinging around to break something, uh, things that they all, and, and so you enter and you enter Walt's apartment and you go in and there's just something, look, it's, it's a modest apartment. When people think Walt Disney, they think, wow, this is like, it's Walt Disney. You know, I'm sure he had like, it's a modest apartment. There are two couches. Uh, there are four chairs and uh, four of the chairs, two of the chairs you can sit on. I'm sorry, there's five chairs. Three of the chairs you can sit on, two you cannot. Um, the couches, of course, you cannot sit on. And you enter, and there's just something about that moment to know that you're sitting inside history. And so when we're sitting, I'm standing in Walt's apartment, I'm looking around. Of course, I'm trying to take it all in, and I thought, oh, they're going to give us five minutes up here. You know, I'm trying to take in as much as possible. So they told us off the bat, listen, we're going to give you 30 minutes up here to really take this in. And they took us all around the room and told us so many stories about not only Walt, but about his family and the way they use this apartment. Because for those of you who don't know, whenever Disneyland was created, Walt was really, you have to picture this, Walt Disney is Walt Disney. But yet he was in the park every single day. And Walt used to sign pictures of himself before the morning even started so he could hand them out to people to make his time more valuable, you know, because people wanted his autograph. And the one thing about this apartment was Walt didn't have a place to escape to uh, to get away from, from the crowds. And so they created Walt Disney's apartment. And this became a haven for not only him but for Lillian and their family. And when he entered the apartment, it just really, really hits home that you are standing in Walt Disney's apartment. Not everybody may know that my father had a little apartment. My parents spent much time at it. It was right over the firehouse on Main Street in Disneyland. Disneyland was being built while Dad was in the middle of a production on Lady and the Tramp. He'd spend the morning in the studio, then out in Anaheim in the afternoons and back. It's a long drive. I think he always envisioned he'd have to be there, and he'd want to be there. Mother and Dad loved the Victorian period. It was a period that they grew up in, but our home was not of that style. This was their little Victorian masterpiece. Emil Curry, very talented set decorator, decorated the apartment with things that they had and things that he also found. He won an Academy Award for the sets of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Mary Poppins, 
Pollyanna, all of the films, that part of my father's life and beyond. When dad would travel, they'd go into little antique shops and that's where he acquired some of his miniature collection and bric-a-brac, you know, little china teacups and things. Mother collected cranberry glass and the cranberry is the color that dominates this apartment. It was this little microcosm of the Victorian world in cranberry red. It was gorgeous. Dad was always fascinated with things that worked. Mechanical toys, music boxes, that sort of thing. Near the front door, as you walked in, you'd see this beautiful Edison phonograph with a beautiful green morning glory shaped horn. Actually, it had morning glories painted around it. And it had a little wax cylinders. So we had music up there, nostalgic music. On the other side of the apartment is this beautiful music box made by the Regina Music Box Company in the late 19th century. It had this large metal disc with little notches in it that played all kinds of tunes. It was really quite wonderful to watch, sort of a calliope-like tone. Those were his personal purchases. What surprised me when we went back into the apartment sometime after Dad's death was that everything in that little tiny kitchenette area was there. In the cupboards were little baby bottles from the time my children were infants. Dad loved grilled cheese sandwiches, and so there was a sandwich grill there. And also, he was very content with a meal of just a can of chili, Gibhart's and Hormel, which he would mix, not very fancy. Emil Curry designed a little terrace out on the roof, wicker furniture, beautiful colors, and they would arrange little buffet lunches for family there, and then we'd sit out on the ledge above the firehouse and watch the parade. A few days before Disneyland opened, my parents celebrated their 30th wedding anniversary in the park. Everybody went into the Golden Horseshoe Saloon, and just as we were sitting down to dinner, Mother came to me and said, where's Walt? I can't find him. I look up and I spy Dad. He's up in a balcony just over the stage, and the Golden Horseshoe Review has started. And at the end, the Pecos Bill thing, yippee-yay-yay, yippee-yay-yo, Dad is up in the balcony and he starts going bang, bang. <laughs> and he started to climb over the side of the balcony, get down on the he, and then when he got to the stage, he just stood there and beamed. And someone yelled, get Lily up there. So mother goes up on the stage. Then everybody came up on stage and started dancing. And dad was just wandering around, so happy. It was very sweet. Because the apartment was above the firehouse, it had a pole to slide down from the sleeping quarters to the engines. The pole went right up through the apartment floor to the ceiling. And Dad's looking out the window, and he saw Bess Parker and Buddy Ebsen starting up Main Street. And he called out to them and told them how to get up to the apartment. And Dad showed them the fire pole and suggested that they slide down it. And like good sports, they both did. When Mother and Dad would spend their weekends there, Dad had this little routine. He'd get dressed and walk the park before anybody else was there. They were still sweeping the streets and watering it down, and he'd have breakfast at Aunt Jemima's Pancake House. It was his neighborhood. My dad would call me from his office sometimes and ask if they could take the kids down to Disneyland for the weekend. 
My children often spent the weekend down there. They really loved it. And he loved being a grandfather. The couches are beds, and underneath them were pull-out trundle beds. And they all slept there, little girls all over the floor, and mother and dad. Ron and I spent a couple of nights out there with our children. And just out on the other side of it was the jungle ride. And they didn't turn off the soundtrack for the jungle ride. So all night, you would hear the gunshot, you know, that was all part of the soundtrack. The kids kind of enjoyed it, but I, I, we didn't. <laughs> From the time Disneyland existed, the annual opening of the Christmas parade was really the highlight of our Christmases. Dad would always lead the parade in some vehicle. And when my children were old enough to go with him, he was so thrilled. But they weren't, they were terrified. My daughter Joanna, when he first rode with her, as he came by, where we were in the stands. He looked at us and he went like that. She was hiding on the floor of the little vehicle. When we conceived of our museum, I very much wanted to represent the apartment there because it was such a part of their lives. It's the purpose of the museum, for people to know who he was and what he liked to do. And uh, this was something that was very dear to both of my parents. The window you see behind me here is an exact replica of the window he would stand and look out at the main square. And uh, he could watch the Disneyland parade at the end of the day. And he always got very emotional when he saw them lower the flag in his Disneyland. I love the fact that Disneyland has kept this apartment the way it is. That lamp is always lit in that window over the firehouse sort of as a symbol that Dad's spirit is still present in Disneyland. I'm looking at a picture of Walt Disney on the phone, and it looks like he's got his grandkids on the floor. And um, the person off in the background, I would imagine, is Lillian. I, I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, it's kind of hard because it's kind of blurry. And I'm matching it up with today's pictures. So let me ask you this. It looks like it's the original carpet. Is, am I am I assuming correct? So no, so the carpet is not original. The carpet is um, reproduced from the same people who made the original carpet. Okay. Um, it's the same exact carpet. It's not the original. There's a few things in the apartment that have been changed, but the majority of it is not. But when you talk about the phone, the phone is the exact same phone that Walt Disney's holding in his hand. Uh, that phone is still sitting in the apartment. You get to go right over to the phone. Of course, you can't touch it. Um, but it's right there, and they tell the story of the phone to where Walt would like to have constant contact with what was happening in his park and with, of course, the film the film side. And so he had the phone installed to where he could be ringed at any time or he could go, get a hold of somebody at any time and say, hey, what's going on with with uh, to Adventureland? You know, why is this not working? What's going on? And so that's why uh, that phone was put in there. It's the same exact phone that Walt's holding in his hand is the same phone that's there at the time. That's incredible. And uh, the what about the lamp in the in the window? Yeah, so that lamp is the exact same lamp that uh, that Walt would turn on and off. And um, Walt always used that lamp to let people know when he was in the parks. He would turn it on. And that let all the cast members know, Walt's here, he's in his apartment, uh, things like that. And uh, that lamp is now a dedication to Walt, to where Walt can, or, or to where 
Walt's always at Disneyland. Even though he's not there physically, his spirit is always there. And that's what that, that lamp is a, a dedication to. Um, but I want to talk about the couches. I mean, the couches are, are huge. Whenever you look at the couches, they're actually, they pull out to day beds. And when you look at it, if you're looking at the, at the lamp and you're going to look out the window, if you're staying in the apartment, to the right would be Lillian's mm-hmm. day bed. And to the left would be Walt's. And the way you knew the difference was that they had their family pictures uh, there on the wall. So Walt had Elias and Lillian had her father's uh, picture there. Um, Since those pictures have been changed, they're now just family pictures. Um, There's a fantastic portrait above on 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 the north side of Lillian's bed of Walt and Roy, one of my favorite pictures of the two of them, because what most people don't realize, you know, we always think of Walt as the big brother. Actually, Roy's the big brother. He's seven years older, and he's the one who really made Disneyland happen. You know, Walt had the ideas, but Roy had the ideas on how to pay for everything, and uh, so a big dedication to Roy there. And uh, but the thing was, they would stay in the apartment quite a bit. Now, only five hundred square feet. They would stay there. And uh, one of the reasons for Club 33 and for the uh, suite over by Club 33 was as Walt got older and he had kids and grandkids, of course, uh, he needed more room. And so he said, build me something bigger. He was never able to actually see that come to fruition because he died beforehand. But that is there now, a little bit bigger space to where the family could stay if they wanted to. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of great things. A lot of things that were gifts to Lillian. Uh, if you were to look on, on Walt's side of the room, you would have a, um, uh, you know what, I, the, the correct words, uh, like a megaphone, like a, uh, it, it's like a record player with a massive, you know, uh, um, big, tube that comes off it. I, you know, people right now that are maybe a little bit older than I am are screaming in their, into their thing saying what it is. Uh, but Walt gift that to Lillian and she absolutely loved it. At the time, that was a brand new uh, technology that she loved. And Walt loved jazz. He kept play, jazz playing all the time. Uh, but yeah, and so they would sit in that apartment and they would absolutely spend time together, look out the window and enjoy the creation that Walt had made. And of course, Walt was a doting husband. He loved Lillian. He loved everything about his wife and he always doted on his wife. And so there's some fantastic pictures. One of my favorites is of Walt and Lillian in a carriage uh, driving down Main Street. And of course it's a covered carriage because he wanted to keep that hot Florida sun off of Lillian. Or he wanted to keep that hot Californian sun off of Lillian. And, uh, and it's just some fantastic family pictures you can't see anywhere else. But Jason, something I think you'll find something that is just so cool is the kitchenette that is there in the apartment. You can't see the kitchenette on any of the photos that I know you're looking at. Uh, but there is a kitchenette, and it wasn't a full kitchen, uh, but they did have a small kitchenette, and it has all the original, not only plates and china, because Lillian loved her china. She had tons of china, um, which most women in that time period had. But the, my favorite thing is this. For those of you who don't know a lot about Walt, Walt was a simple man. Walt loved simple foods. He ate beans out of a can almost every day and grilled cheese sandwiches. And his original uh, sandwich press is there in the apartment to where he would make his sandwich every single day for lunch before he headed out of the park to make sure his beloved Disneyland was taken care of. Going back to the kitchenette, Justin, I was just curious. Uh, you mentioned that the china, um, the dishes... It, did you mention if the dishes are still there that they use, that the family used? 
Yeah, they are. Yeah, everything's still there. All of Lillian's china is still there. What's really cool is this: there are actually a couple baby bottles uh, from from that from that era when Walt and Lillian were there. Because when they would have the grandkids stay over, like I said earlier in this episode, one of the Walt's favorite things was to have his grandkids stay. And and the grandkids would wake up in the morning and they would slide down the fire pole and they would head out. They'd run back up the stairs and they'd slide down the fire pole and they, you know they would. It was it was a form of entertainment. Walt loved having the family around. And so some of the original baby bottles are there, too. Wow, that's incredible. That's just such so much nostalgia right there. I love it. Um, now, one of the cool things that you get to see, and you don't get to go into, but you get to peek your head into, is the bathroom. Uh, as you're going back, of course, like I said, 500 square feet is not that big. And as you go back, uh, you go back around, you go to the right, and there is a, a small changing room. To where Walt or Lillian could go in, uh, there was a dresser built into the wall, um, to where they had all their clothes stored. Of course, a small closet, and then through the changing room was a bathroom. And it, it look, I can't remember what episode it was, but I think we talked about. You know what? I think it was the Carousel Progress episode, and we talked about the reason the Carousel Progress lays so heavy on our hearts and why we love it so much is that we all relate it to our grandparents' homes. And like our grandparents' houses, it's exactly what I what I got when I walked into the bathroom. It is pink. Okay, pink fifties flooring. 50s pink, fifties <laughs> pink. That light pink, like yeah, yeah, just pink flooring, pink walls, all that, and it just hits you right there. Uh, have the original lighting along the vanity uh, to where they don't make those lights anymore. And whenever they have to change them out, they have to have specialized uh, lights done, you know, right there. And it's just, she was talking about how they have to have somebody come in and do it. And um, the coolest thing I thought about the bathroom was this. So whenever you look in Walt Disney's shower, which it's only a shower, stand-up shower, uh, there are four nozzles, four shower heads, all at different heights. Now, it's not like, uh, like you would see if you went on a Disney cruise. And you go into the spa and you have, oh, look at all these nice shower heads. They're boom, just all over. That wasn't the purpose for Walt. Walt did this because his grandkids were all different heights. And he wanted his grandkids to all be able to take showers there at the apartment. Uh, And that just tells you what type of family man Walt was. Uh, He wanted this to be a place for not only him and Lillian, but for the entire family. And that's what you get as you stand in Walt's apartment. You realize that although we look at him as an icon as a mentor, as uh, someone that we look up to and that we love and we love everything he's done. Overall, he's just a family guy. He's just a guy that loves his family and wants to make every uh, attainable goal and every, every that wants to make everything for them. And, and that's what you get when you're standing up there. And just to think about all the fantastic times he probably had up there watching those grandkids, you know, crawl across the floor, or roll around, or, you know, getting to wake up that morning and look out that window next to that lamp and watch his grandkids run across uh, uh, town square, knowing that they're waking up in their their dream place. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, can I, can I pull you back a little bit? I got a couple questions on the uh, sure. interior of it. The couches. Now, you mentioned mm-hmm. the couches, but are those the original ones that are up there? They are. Okay. They are. Yeah. Those are the original and couches. And going back to the bathroom, is it like, so those are the original shower heads, the original commode? Um, all that everything's stuff. original okay. yep. all right so we yep. have a solid piece of history right there 
yeah, nothing's been touched. And actually, you can see the the, the piping and everything along the uh, along the ceiling is all original. Okay. Everything's original. There's been a few things, like I said, the carpet's been changed, right. uh, like some of the artwork's been changed. But overall, this has Walt's finger all over. Actually, <laughs> I take that back. It has Lillian's finger all over it. Sure. It doesn't have Walt's finger on sure. it at all. Uh, Lillian was a lo- a lover of roses. She loved everything roses. And so when you look at uh, a lot of the decorations, as far as pillows. Um, all the all, all the, the the dishes and cups mm-hmm. and everything all have roses on them. Uh, she loved roses, and so roses really are all over this place. That's great. I love it. So when you're 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 done with the apartments, everybody gets their their fix. I, I don't know if that's even possible, but you get your forced fix, and they tell you, okay, it's time to go. Let's go. Um, are they are they pretty adamant? Like okay, let's like they're shooing you out. It's it's time to go right now. No, they take you down and you get you get a very warm goodbye. I mean, I spent some time with Emma and we took a picture together. And uh, the one thing that she presents you with is something I will cherish forever. You know, we we collect pens, but I don't think there'll ever be a pen that I will cherish more than the one I received from Emma. And that is uh, the Walk in Walt's Footsteps uh, pen. And it's the only way you can get this pen is to do this tour. It's not... It's not attainable any other way, and uh, it is a. It looks like a book, and it has it has the partner statue on the front, and when you open it up, it has uh, two quotes from Walt, and just really, really just hits home with you what you just did. And I will always cherish that pen. It will go into a uh, into a place that I always will keep it uh, sacred, and and it's one of my Disney treasures that I'll always hang on to. I love that. That's amazing. Boy, that's going to look good when you redo that studio and it goes right on your Disney desk. Yeah, definitely. I can't, definitely. I can't wait to see it. I, I'm um, I'm a little uh, m- more motivated to change my my bucket list stuff and get over there and get this tour done because I have to have this pen. Well, as soon as we post this episode, I will post in the group uh, a picture of the pen and a picture of Emma. And, uh, and some of the other stuff we, we did on the tour, um, just, just look guys, don't hesitate. If, if you live close to Disneyland, go, of course, this tour does not include your, your daily pass to Disneyland. You still have to have daily entry into Disneyland. Let me, let me say that just so everyone knows, um, it is an additional cost, but it's worth every penny. You get lunch, you get the pen, you get that button at the beginning and you get over three hours of amazing information about Walt and you get to stand inside Walt's apartment. And just breathe in all the energy. You know, Walt had that energy of just you know positivity, and I. That's what I mean. If we can do like you know one one hundredth of that energy through the Disney Dads podcast, that's what we try to do is to create that that sense of positivity and family, and uh, and it's just that's what you get with this tour. It really is amazing, Justin. I really appreciate your time. I I am just absolutely in love with this tour now. I hope everybody else enjoyed. Uh, look, you're a great storyteller. I don't want you to take that away from you. And and you really took us on a good story, and I really appreciate your time. And I do want to plug our website. I want to go over to www.disneydadspodcast.com. Go ahead, and all our links are right there. Our phone number's right there. You know, Give us a call. Uh, join our Facebook group. And until next time, I'm Behind the Magic. Justin, thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. It's been fun. This has been 
YDF Media Productions.